Hey y'all, so um, this episode is actually a conversation that I had with Hill Black Joy. Um, the Instagram is just at Hill Black Joy. Um, and so I decided to um, share the audio with y'all instead of doing like my usual episode. Um, and the topic is called Love Without Limits. So I just talk about different ways that love has presented itself in my life. Um, and I had a great time just having that conversation. Um, so yeah, make sure you follow at Hill Black Joy on Instagram. Um, yeah, so that's it, y'all. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. And um, I'll catch y'all on my next episode next month. But for this month, for Black History Month, for Love Month, um, I thought it was fitting to share with y'all this this chat I was able to have about love. Welcome to Hill Black Joy Podcast. Hi, I'm Lola Troy, the host and curator of Hill Black Joy, the learning platform for our community to heal our Black joy with tangible and attainable programs for the mind, body, soul, relationships, and businesses. And in today's conversation, we are talking about healing Black joy through love without limits. And today, my guest is Javia Nicole. She is a counselor and an educator with nearly a decade of experience in the human services field. She provides wellness coaching and consulting, counseling, case management, advocacy, Christ intervention, wellness education, and resource coordination to marginalized and underdeserved populate underserved populations from a trauma-informed, culturally responsive perspective. Javia works with clients, individuals, partners, organizations, and businesses to outline and achieve their goals by developing personalized wellness plans. So I'm going to get Miss Javia on. I sent her an invite. Hopefully she can get in. Hi, my dear. Hello, hello. I'm trying to make sure you can see me. <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. How are you, my dear? Fine. How are you? I am good, man. I'm good. Um, Loving the weather, you know, it's it's almost springtime on the East Coast. You guys mm. probably get it all the time, but it's been cold. <laughs> it's been cold. Really? Uh, so it's flipped. So on the East Coast right now, it's like 70 some degrees. It was like February. yesterday and today, the 50s. That's really different. That's yeah. really different. I'm like. I, I didn't come to Southern California for this. <laughs> right, right. But last week, last week it was warm. Um, but yeah, no, this week it's been cold and windy. Yeah, that's crazy. So otherwise, how have you been managing your spirit? How have you been managing your mind? How How's your mental wellness? I know in today's age with Everything going on, you know, we might be on the onset of a war. You know, we've got a lot of black folks that have been committing suicide. It's a lot going on right now in the world. So I always want to start with how are you feeling mentally? How, how are you? 
Um, there's always definitely a lot of things kind of swirling around us <laughs> going on all the time. Um, I'm grateful to have like the support system I have and to have the therapeutic support I have um, to, you know, be in regular, consistent therapy. Because <laughs> right. um, I don't know. I don't know. It might be looking a little different uh, if that was not the case. Um, but also in some regards, I've been a little bit in a bubble more so than more so than I used to be. Um yeah. That's because of I, I'm a foster parent. And so since I've been parenting, um, I'm still fairly new, but I started uh, fostering last year um, and we just got a new placement. So now we went from one to two. So I've been in that bubble, honestly. So it's kind of created this buffer <laughs> from some of the other stuff that's going on. Like I'm aware of it, but I'm not as immersed in it as I would typically be um, because I got to focus on on the on the cheering. <laughs> so, the cheering. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, that that gives me something to to discuss too. Um, we had the pleasure. The reason why we we connected, we had the pleasure of being on Sisters Healing Network with our good sister Naya Being a shout out to Sisters Healing Network, mm -hmm. an awesome platform that discusses topics such as what we discuss here at Heal Black Joy, where mm -hmm. it's all about joy, happiness, wellness. Uh, everything that brings us joy, right? Mm -hmm. And so this month, we have talked about love. I wanted February to be not only about Black history, but about Black love and how we celebrate mm -hmm. it and how we just, how we how we move through our life with our Black love, the examples of Black love. But you know, mm -hmm. I always like to push the envelope. So we talked about relationship love between a husband and a wife. I talked to a relationship and dating coach and I talked to uh, a sister friend of mine who talked about self-love, self-love. Okay. And when I thought about having this conversation with you, I wanted us to, because the LGBTQ conversation has been so, I'm an ally. I'm, I am a friend of the LGBTQ community. And I think what's going on in America specifically, what's going on in America when it comes to trans kids, when it comes to same-sex relationships, when it comes to, you know, just the rights of the LGBTQ community, I don't think we have enough conversations about it. And I wanted to push the envelope and introduce to our community as well as just have that conversation, have the conversation about love from a different perspective. And I thought that you would be the perfect person to have that conversation with because of your lifestyle and how you express your love. So first off, tell me the story of Javia. Tell me your story and then tell me your love story without limits. Okay. Um, well, it's kind of broad. <laughs> um, you know, we, we all have, I say we all have a context and we all have um, kind of like, you know, chapters of a story. You know, we all have a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. But um, as it pertains to love in particular, um, so I am um, originally from Atlanta. Um, so I grew up like in the South. Um, yeah. Me and my sister, I grew up with a... Um, with my mom and my mom was a single parent, but my grandmother was like my other parent. Um, so, um, 
so I kind of sometimes hesitate to say that she was a single parent in the, I mean, she was in the traditional sense, but, um, but we did have another, you know, like loving presence of an adult um, in our life. So my introduction to love and that kind of stuff, and what it looked like was um, the family dynamics. Um, so the ways that my grandmother would show us care, the ways that my mom would show us care. One of the things that I remember growing up, and I recently, Valentine's Day just passed, and I recently brought this up, and I probably bring it up every year. My wife probably like, girl, I know. <laughs> um, but it all that memory always comes back of, for Valentine's Day, my mom will always get us Valentine's. Mm. Um, she'll give, give us little gifts. Um, so she would put, like, maybe, like, a little bag on our door. So when we got up in the morning and come out the bedroom, we would see, like, little stuff, maybe balloons, maybe candy, little stuff, animal Um but she always um, got me and my sister Valentine's. And um, so I was introduced to this, um, this concept of like actively loving someone and showing someone that love and it not just being like, oh, well, I'm your mom. And so, you know, I love you type of thing. Um, right. She showed it. So in doing things like that or in just like taking a lot of interest in the things we were interested in while juggling multiple jobs and while dealing with her own stuff. But still showing us that love in those ways in very deliberate, active ways, writing us little notes. Um, I still have a note my mom wrote me where she was like, you know, my beautiful black child, like, cause I'm, I'm the darkest, my mom's dark skin too, but I'm darker. <laughs> I'm darker than her and my sister. Um, so she's like, you know, I always call you like my little pretty black child. So she wrote me a little note. So stuff like that, um, getting those little examples. So my story is very much like rooted in love and seeing it manifest in different ways um so that was how i was able to see it like throughout my childhood and also seeing the love my folks have for community my mom and my grandma would take folks in they were the people who everybody came to our house like my friends came to my house like i didn't really go to my friend's house like that my house was the congregate <laughs> congregation spot right my grandma was everybody grandma everybody called her grandma um, everybody called my mama mom um, unless they had like a crush on her or something. That's a whole other situation. Okay. Um, but my spot, my home was that spot and my mom and my grandmother were, were known for taking in folks like who were struggling. Um, my mom took in this young woman, young girl, like she was like a teenager who had been abused. Um, and whose mom, her mom sided with the abuser over her. It was like her, her man, her husband, whatever sided with him over her. My mom did not know this girl. She heard her story from a friend. My mom was like, tell her to come on. Um, like, she can come here. And so I remember, like, my sister and I, like, shifting to sharing a room and so that she could have the other room and not even feeling a way about it because I'm like, this is what we do. We have that community love as well as that family love. And so stuff like that I'll never forget because I'm like, I'll never forget that my mom heard this girl's story, didn't know her, and was like, take me to her. <laughs> we going to get her stuff. Like she got to you know, she needs to be somewhere safe. Um, so I was shown those examples of, of love, um, growing up, you know, that the this? family love and the community love. Can I just say this? I love this story so much because one thing about it, just, just, let's just give kudos to mom. Let's give kudos to mom because your mom showed you early examples of loving you from your being and not from your doing. Right. And that's something that has been resonating with me this all this month about trying to love people in who they are and not 
what they what they can accomplish or who right. I need them to be or do something for me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that right. is so important when you when you're displaying love, especially to children. Mm -hmm. loving them from a place of being and not doing because i think as we become adults and especially in our community a lot of times that our children have received love or our generation received love was based in our performance it was mm -hmm. based in, in what we did not who we are as people as human beings we feel like we have to earn it we feel like we have to earn it um you don't have to earn love you're worthy mm -hmm. of love by by the area because you exist and you breathe air and you know you are created in this beautiful wonderful image you are just like worthy of love because you are um you know so uh, i won't get preachy but yeah like we're just deserving of love so you don't have to earn it um and i what i appreciate it too is that my mom um definitely like loved us for us um and embraced certain things that other people saw as negative um so my like for instance I was always very into creative things and um, sometimes extended family members would be like that girl always off somewhere doing this and doing that. And you just let her do. They always said like, she just let me run the streets. She just let me do whatever. No, she let me have experiences. So mm -hmm. when I was out like in an organization, like trying something new, they considered that running the streets, like because it was outside of the box because it wasn't what they were accustomed to. Like, Oh, she's going, she's going to do what horseback riding. What? You know what I'm saying? Just like, Oh, that's dangerous. Right. My mom's just like, I want them to have experiences or my sister. She will always have like little comebacks for my mom. And especially in the, in the black community, folks would be like, Oh, hell no. You know, shut down. My mom was like, you're going to get in debate. <laughs> my sister was like, what? Did not want to do it. Um, my mom was like, yeah, you're going to do debate. And my sister ended up being Miss debate. Okay. Like <laughs> for a homecoming or whatever, she was Miss debate. Like, she just is, has that great skill. But my mom was like, this is a skill you have. Instead of me, you know, shutting it down and being like, you know, you just need to be quiet or whatever. She was like, you know, let's put that to a more productive use. Let's do something constructive right. with that skill you have. Right. Um, or if she knew that, like, I could be, you know, I got bored easily. I finished stuff quickly. Like, at school, I was just like, I would go do my work and dip. Like I would be gone. So my yeah. mom would be like, okay, you know, let's get you in activities. Let's, you know, have a bunch of books, whatever. So she really, um, focused on who we were and not like just our actions. And, yeah. um, I think we just been shown so much like, oh, you have to earn love. You have to earn. No, you're worthy of that. You don't got to earn. You don't have to earn that. Like, no, like, where does it, the, the, I don't know. I just don't, I don't believe in that. I don't agree with that. But, and, and I was, I'm grateful that I was shown that was not the case. Like at my lowest, I've been loved at my greatest accomplishment, whatever I've been loved regardless. Um, yeah. And it's most important in those moments where you feel like you're um, not your best self. <laughs> um, you know, some love has sustained me in those moments where I was absolutely not my best self when I was at my rock bottom. I got a question um, from one of our Hill Black Joy members. Shout out to Perry Simone. She says, I hear you talking about your mother's impact on love. How do you feel make or make father figures impact the female view on love? So I think, um, especially because think about our society, the whole um, thought process typically is that like your father is like your first example. 
So especially for a girl, like for a girl child, your, your father is your first example of like how you should be treated and like really like of um, the action behind love. Like it's like your mom is supposed to love you and take care of you or whatever, but like your father's supposed to show you more of the action, um, mm -hmm. do the things or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that's supposed to be your first example. I think that um, there is some, I, I think both parents can do that. And I, and I'm grateful that um, my, even though my father was not, um, active in my life. Um, I did have male figures in my life who, mm -hmm. um, who showed up and who showed me like they didn't just talk, but they did things. I had my uncle. So my grandmother's brother, I used to call him my, my Superman. He nurtured like my interest. I was a little tomboy. He was a mechanic and stuff. He could fix stuff. And I used to like to figure stuff out like, Ooh, I, I want to figure out this electrical, whatever. I want to figure out these okay. wires. And, yeah. um, and he, and my fa a lot of my family members were like, that's not, that girl need to get up off that girl. Like, she don't need to be doing that. Um, and this is like my Southern country, like family. They're just like, that's not lady. Like, he's like, leave that girl alone. She right. like to do this. Right. I'm gonna let her do it. And so he would, I'll be out there with him at his truck and he'll be showing me stuff. And he's like, this is what you like. Don't let nobody. And this is like, you know, pretty progressive for a black Southern male, especially one who was, um, he only had like an elementary school education, mm. but was just witty and brilliant. Like one of the funniest people I have ever known um, and just very nurturing. And, um, and he always stuck up for me when they would talk stuff, you know? And so he showed me that, um, that love that showed up for me, that was active. That was like, you know, actually saying something, not just kind of like waiting until they went away and they'd be like, oh, it's okay. No, he'll be like, leave that girl alone. <laughs> if she want to, you know, do this, she want to try to fix this TV, let her do it, you know, type of thing. Um, so I think that that's important. I think it's important for us to be shown that from male figures and female figures um, to be shown, not just like, oh, you, you know, I love you because that's, that's very pervasive, but to be shown like the action behind it. And I think that for like women and for like female kids that um, getting that from their father or from a male figure, it doesn't necessarily have to be the father, but just from a male figure so they can have that balance. So they can see that like, this is possible. Like you don't have to accept less. You don't have to, you don't have to perform for it either. Like you don't have to, Oh, I got to cook clean, whatever to be loved. No, baby girl, you ain't got to do that. Like, you are worthy of love from him, love from her, love from them, love from whoever by virtue of who you are. So I think that it's good to have that balance. And if it can't come from, like, the, the actual father or whatever, just there being some kind of positive figure. I mean, I'm grateful. I have my uncle and I had my stepfather, um, like, who my mom eventually got with, who is, they're not even together anymore, but he's still in our lives and is a family friend and is very, like, um, very nurturing and very like you know so i'm grateful that i got to still see those examples um and even now in my adulthood my father-in-law like talk about show up he shows up my grand my uh, wife's grandfather so i have had examples um even though sometimes people don't necessarily think so because my father wasn't around but i'm like i'm grateful and blessed that i've had several examples and it didn't have to come from him mm -hmm. yeah and I was going to ask you, you know, I mean, the, the, the topic is about love without limits. I mean, you've already mm -hmm. given us tangible examples of your mother showing you love without limits, recognizing those things that are inside of you and your sister and saying, hey, let's, you know, let's explore this thing because 
she knew that you weren't going to be able to just sit still. She knew that you wanted to see and do and, and experience mm -hmm. and have those experiences. And then for your Southern uncle who was older, like <laughs> he's around your grandmother's age to yeah. also love you without limits. Because when mm -hmm. you think about the Bible Belt South, you know, yeah. a woman and a child should stay in a woman's place and in a child's place. Absolutely. Like we're talking about society, society norms. Mm -hmm. That was very uncon unconventional for your for your uncle to show you, you know, things around a car at, at such mm -hmm. a very, very young And for that to just be who he was. Like, right. he didn't have, like, some liberal education. You know, none of that academic. Yeah. Yeah. This, this man did not make it past elementary school. So this is just who he was. Like, he just like, this is who you are. You're great. He would affirm me. You know, he he didn't know the word affirm, but he knew how to tell me, you're really good to. at this. Yeah. You're really yeah. good at this. Like, dang, girl, you did that fast. Like, don't let them tell you that you can't do it. Leave her alone. Let her do. She really good at this. Wow. Like, so how, how do you feel the influence, um, the love that you receive as a child influences the romantic love that we desire or seek as an adult? Because you have very, very strong examples of love without limits as a child. How did that shape you or mold you when you were dating or deciding like, hey, you know, I've seen this as a child. So most times, a lot of times kids have not seen it. And so mm -hmm, they're in mm -hmm. search of that with, as they grow up. Correct. So the fact that you saw it as a child and it was very strong in your support system, whether it was your mom, your grandmother, your uncle, mm -hmm. how did that shape and mold you when you were trying to start dating or when, when you met your wife? So our childhood like informs so much. Doesn't it? <laughs> um, Doesn't it, it is crazy to me. And as someone who is like, you know, a counselor and very much into like psychology and stuff, it blows my mind. Um, I, I mean, so for me, it was like I had examples of, you know, healthy love and of being affirmed and stuff. But I also was the oldest and had been through some traumatic things. So I had the tendency to take on a caregiver role. I was like a little woman. I was like, uh, I, I grew up quick. Well, it, and it wasn't because I, I wasn't forced to by like my mom. I was forced to by trauma, honestly, like yeah. going through trauma, going through assault. And stuff and that um it took some of my some of my like joy at that time so i kind of um stopped being childlike in some ways and just kind of withdrew and stuff like that and and also became really was kind of caregiver ish and was known as a person like even as a child like people would come to me with stuff and i you know would take care of them make sure they're good so that translated um i feel like because in my childhood, I did have that love and I did have um, my cup be filled. Mm -hmm. I was pouring, 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 pouring. Like, I'm just like, you know, up here trying to feed the masses. And so in relationships, that looked like me pouring into this person, not getting that reciprocity. Um, and because of understanding trauma, trying to be understanding and like, and, and was very empathetic. So like also giving them some um, some giving them more grace than I should have because mm. I'm like, I'm making excuses. I was making excuses for them. Like, Oh, well, you know, maybe he is going through this or maybe she, whatever. No. And I'm just pouring. I'm continuing to pour, <laughs> um, and not getting poured back into. So I think that like also 
sometimes you attract certain types of people to you. Yeah, Some you folks do. are emotional leeches um, yeah. because everybody's trying to get their needs met. And so some people are like, oh, I see your cup is full and I'm thirsty. I'm and coming. I'm, you know what I'm, I'm saying? Com I'm coming. You know, I, and I'm going to try to drink it all. I'm going to try to, like, take your cup. You know what I'm saying? I, like I that. I call that. I got a five-gallon a five bar barrel of love and you got a shot glass to give me back. Right. Right. And that's what it is. But for some people, it is deliberate. And for some people, they don't even know they're operating that way. They've been at such a deficit. They've been operating at such a deficit that they don't even realize it. This is just how they're trying to get by. I went through some things in my life and like I had some issues or whatever, especially around trauma and stuff, but I was never at a love deficit. Mm. So, so they were, I, so I, I went through a lot of relationships um, in my, just like in my dating, like um, teens and early twenties. Cause I've been now I'm, I'm how old am I? Oh Lord. I'm 33. Okay. <laughs> I've been with my wife 10 years. Okay. So so from basically teen, late teens to early twenties, mm -hmm. um, I had some dating or whatever, but then my, I had really like two serious relationships mm -hmm. before my wife, everything else is kind of like just young, you know, like young yeah. love, or whatever, or just dating right. or whatever, or just doing whatever, <laughs> just yeah. loving around. Don't just call right. it that. Okay. Right. Uh, you ain't gonna call it love. Right. You know, just, doing, you know, doing a little, just fellowshipping. Fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> um, Situation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all kind of, oh, for sure. Definitely push yeah. ships. So, um, so yeah, prior to my wife, um, that was the pattern of like, I'm pouring and I'm pouring and I'm pouring. And, um, so part of that was like not getting the reciprocity, but also feeling like if I didn't do that, I would not get love. Like basically feeling like I had to earn it. Um, or feeling like I had to do that to get it romantically. Um, and so, which was like, that was different from my actual experience, you know, in terms of like family and platonic yeah. and all that. Um, but because I think partially too, because of trauma, I had some issues like navigating romantic situations and stuff like that, intimate situations and all that. Yeah. Um, cause trauma changes your brain. And so I was a little, my brain was a little out of whack in terms of like, um, so like that certain dynamics, like certain things were like power dynamics and all that kind of stuff. Like I didn't quite know what to do with that. Um, so that was the pattern I had been in. So prior to, so prior to my wife, I, at like 19, 19 to maybe 21, I dated a guy. Um, now I, I came out at a young age. I always knew that I like girls or whatever. Um, I didn't not like guys. I was just kind of like, mm, they all right. But I knew I liked, I right. knew I liked girls. Like it was kind of, for some people, they, you know, they might be like, oh, I like guys. And they're kind of unsure. Like, oh, maybe I might like her. Um, it was the opposite for me. I never had a doubt about the girls. The guys are like, mm, maybe he cute. Uh, I don't know. Um, and to this day, I'm like, if he fine, he fine. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not like a man hater or nothing like that. Right. Like, right. Like, he and my wife, we go look like Okay, <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> um, you know, so it's not like that, but um, I just wasn't sure. So I had dated like kind of all my like first like first love experiences, first dating stuff were all with girls, and um, then college came around. I met this guy, was just feeling him. We just really vibed well, and I was just like, why not? Because I didn't, 
at that time for me, loving without limits was like, I didn't really put, um, like limitations on myself in terms of, I'm like, if I like you, I like you. Right. You know, um, and I'll just see. Or a guy. If, mm -hmm. if I like you, I yeah. like you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just up to that point. It had primarily been girls, but then when I met him and I liked him, I didn't hesitate to like, I wasn't like, oh, well, I'm supposed to be gay, so I can't. I was just like, I like him. <laughs> like, right, right. Bye. So I'm going to give it a shot. And we, we dated, and I was all in, definitely in love and all that. But, um, I, and I definitely, I'm glad that I did it. Like, I mean, we had, I feel like overall we had like a pretty good relationship, but um, some stuff just, just didn't click. And, um, but it just showed me like, it helped me to kind of trust myself in terms of like, I didn't feel like I had to go by any set like label or anything like that. Like I knew what I leaned more toward. I knew I'm like, okay, I know I like girls. I know, or women at the time, you know, once I got grown women or whatever. Um, but if I like somebody, I don't feel like I have to not express that there are, there's a lot of repression in the LGBT community where it's like, you got to choose, you need to stick right here. And yeah. like, if you like this and I'm just like, I feel like love can't really be boxed in like that. You like who you like. So if that means you're straight, that's fine. But if that means you're not, that's fine, too. And and sometimes it can change for people. And that's OK, too. Um, so I was like, I ain't gonna let nobody else's judgment, like, stop me from giving it a shot because I liked him. And I was like, he dope. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, yeah. and I'm stubborn. So I had my mom made up. I'm like, I ain't hear none of y'all say because I'm so like just head over heels over here. Um, so that all happened. And then we um, split up and everything. Some time passed. And then I got into another relationship, uh, which also lasted a couple years. And that relationship ended up being toxic and abusive. <laughs> so um, just not a good situation. Um, but that really helped. That was what snapped me out of that pouring and pouring and pouring into other people and not getting the reciprocity and feeling like, I don't want to say I felt like I had to earn love. That's not right. But I felt like it was my role to be that person pouring into. I felt like that was what I was supposed to do because I'm feel like I'm surrounded by love. I'm filled by love. So I'm supposed to share it and I'm supposed to pour into other people. Yeah. Like that's, I, I really felt like even spiritually, like, well, I'm a vessel for that. That's what I'm supposed to do. That doesn't mean that you get taken advantage of. Um, <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's just a free for all. That doesn't mean people get to treat you any kind of way. and You just keep pouring and pouring. But girl, no, I had to like have a moment with myself. Um, and it Half took boundary. going through that situation. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, it took going through that situation to really um, snap me out of that and to make me reassess like my boundaries and everything because that should not have gone on as long as it did. Um, so I was single for a year and I was in a place of um, being, have my self-love journey and was like, and it wasn't like I ever didn't like love myself, but reconnecting with myself and all that and not being wrapped up in another person and was perfectly fine to be by myself. And then here come this, my wife. I was <laughs> here she come, say, before you get into the story with your wife, you, 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 you took us from your childhood where you were filled with love without limits from various mm -hmm. members of your family. And then you had some early young adult experiences where you were feeling the guy, you had a pretty good relationship and then that ended and then you ended up dating someone else and it became mm -hmm. abusive and toxic. And mm -hmm. then you reconnected with yourself, right? 
and for that year you were on that self-love journey in three words how would you describe your journey with love without limits prior to meeting your your boo thing mm. i would say um expansive um evolving <laughs> and um illuminating mm. i learned a lot i learned a lot and by the time and i learned a lot to where i got to a place where i had i was at a place of peace that was kind of new to me like I, it was like my first time feeling that type of peace as an adult where i was good i'm like i'm okay to, I, I never was someone who was like oh i just can't be alone it wasn't like that but it's different to do something deliberately for me to deliberately say, I just got out of this situation. I refuse. Like I ain't dealing with nobody. I just want to be by myself. I'm not jumping into anything else. And to give myself at least a year said, I was going to take at least a year to just be by myself. Um, so it was at the time, by the time she came along, like I was so comfortable with myself. Like I was just like, I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't have to be with you. Like I don't have to do nobody. Yeah. I'm good. I'm not lonely. I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. There's this um song and it always plays my head. It's an India Ari song called Private Party. And she says, Sometimes I'm alone but never lonely. That's what I've come to realize. That was like my little mantra i'm like india girl yes you sing my life like because in the song she's basically saying i'm having a private party it's just me myself and i type of thing yeah we i'm good like you know look at my growth look at my and i love i love her anyway but the the message of the song was like my soundtrack yeah. <laughs> um and that's how i felt i'm like i'm good and it was such a beautiful feeling to to feel like that um and then this person comes along. <laughs> he comes along. <laughs> I, Here she comes. When I'm not, I'm not looking. And we, so we kind of like knew of each other before we met because we had a mutual friend, um, but we had not met. So we knew several of the same people, but we had not met. Um, by her telling, she says that she loved me before she met me. She's like, I knew I wanted you to be my wife before I met you based on what other people had to say about you. And I'm like, hey you know that that's neat like what were they saying i want to know um so she was just like yeah i already knew like i i knew or whatever and i was just like well i didn't know you so um i just knew when we met i thought she was cool she was an interesting person i just was not i wasn't checking for anybody i was like i'm feeling so lovely like Can just I doing just my own thing for one moment i got chills when you said that i got chills because and I don't even know why. I know this is divine conversation because when I was trying to come up with a title of what this topic was going to be about, I, I was I was teeter-tottering between a couple of topics. And I was just like, love without expectation, love with, I wanted to be, I wanted to be provocative, but also be in tune to what our conversation was going to be about. And everything that you've, you've been saying from the beginning of this live to this very moment is being a description of love without limits. Because how can someone love you before they even know you? That's what I said. I was like, how? How they, what they do that at? What's, what girl, tell, tell me. <laughs> um, I really, it blew my mind because I'm just like, 
and it may and this is the thing too with love like it blew my mind and it caught me off guard because i was like really but it also made me think about okay i i'm surrounded by love and i have like a loving village and all kind of stuff yeah. and I always have had that and so i'm like these people must really love me like you're hearing you're saying based off what you have heard before meeting me based on what other people have told you about me and about their interaction with me you're like oh yeah she's the one i'm just like what so that has to be you have to have been told loving things when when i'm not around you know not in my presence so to me i'm like that was a testament to me like of uh, me pouring love into other people and you know us having that reciprocity because i'm like i must be doing something right if that is your that's how you feel and all i'm doing is just being myself and loving these folks who are in my life and you know people who've been in my life for a long time just like that's all i'm doing like pouring into them loving them and and we and one of the things too for me is like i always had that reciprocity like in some like friendships and like family you know it was the romantic that was the a little bit of the struggle for me yeah. um but but uh, but i still you know was able to have a full cup so i wasn't like operating from a deficit i just had to figure out the romantic part and figure out how my trauma impacted it right so because mm. mm. that was a big piece of it and even and honestly it took me a while into this relationship to fully realize the impact of like dealing with trauma and going through that and how it impacted how i showed up in this relationship um so yeah so with her we met we we were cool um and then we i don't know we like ran into each other or something and at the time i was dating someone else i had finally started back dating and so and i told her uh, i was like i'm dating somebody like we can hang out but i'm like what i'm not gonna do is be uh giving it up <laughs> like i'm not gonna be right. sexually involved with both right. of y'all yeah. um maybe in a past life but i'm not in that place anymore in my life okay yeah. um those yeah. days are, those days are over <laughs> um so um i'm not trying to do that and i just told her straight up like i've been i've been dating this person we are involved in that way and it was like fairly recent but i'm like we have recently you know um added that to the mix so that's not gonna be happening over here so like if it's that kind of party if you're like because sometimes people be like that you know if you're trying to just come at me like that don't even waste your time because you're not it's not gonna be fruitful <laughs> like you just gonna waste right. your time um but what i will say is that she courted me i had never been courted like for real for real until my wife and so she and i thought that i knew a lot about love and and even like my friends and stuff they're like sheila they used to call me a hippie and they're like she's just a love her you know whatever like all about love whatever but she showed me something she taught me something because she her little mantra was like you know love what is it like love as if she had never been hurt and so mind you we're early 20s and so she you know had had like some significant relationships just like i had but she said you know she kind of embarked on our interaction like i'm gonna go into this as as if i've never been hurt and just like be open be vulnerable and me i was in a place of i'm good by myself so i'm not i wasn't in a vulnerable place like that like i'm a fairly open person but i'm also private so I, we were in different places with our vulnerability i didn't realize it she realized it because she could feel it because she's like i'm wide open and you're kind of like more guarded mm -hmm. right so so i ended up um 
and and this is well, this was a pattern that kind of persisted throughout the first few years of us being together. So like we dated, she courted me, um, and we definitely had like reciprocity and stuff like that. But I just was not used to being courted, like. And so much when effort you in say like courted. Like, what is your definition of courted? Because courted for I'm I'm 49, so I'm 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 a lot older than you. So I want to know what your version of courted is, because everybody's so generation I, is a little bit different. So what I mean by courted is being very deliberate and intentional about the time we spend together, about planning out things for us to do. And about tailoring those things specifically to like my interests, um, setting aside time, not being distracted, not um, doing not doing that with anybody else, um, and being consistent with it, like being intentional, being intentional and consistent. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I know you like this thing. Like, I may not be familiar with this, but I know you like it. So I'm gonna plan a whole day. Like, we went to a festival or something. She planned a whole date around this festival, something she had no interest in. <laughs> wow. But she knew it was an interest of mine. And she was happy to see me taking it all in and being happy. So she had, she was like, I had a really good time. She was like, I didn't expect to enjoy it like that. But seeing my enjoyment and me, like, you know, teaching her about the stuff or whatever, she enjoyed it. But she put the time and effort in. I didn't even know anything that this was happening and she planned, you know, something around it. So stuff like that, being very deliberate, very intentional about our time, not just being like, Hey, you want to chill? Um, you know, that's yeah. cool or whatever, but she was on a mission. <laughs> um, she was on a mission. So she wasn't, you know, I was like, Hey, we don't have to do all that all the time, but she was like, yeah, so I'm trying to wine and dine. You okay. <laughs> question that goes back to you saying that, um, her mantra about loving without what what was what was the saying loving she, as if as if she had never been hurt never been hurt I think a lot of times people have boundaries so or, or because they've been hurt in love mm -hmm. or they've had some type of heartbreak they always go into a new situation very very guarded like you know, I, I don't want to get hurt. So mm -hmm. I'm only going to show you a, this this much of me or I'm only going to give that was this me. much of me. That was me. That was me with her. I mean, and it was not intentional. Like, I, I didn't intentionally go into a guarded. You didn't um, even know that you were doing it, right? I didn't know. And I didn't realize how much that previous, that abusive relationship, because it was abusive, um, that abusive relationship had impacted me. And so, and so I went from that to being by myself. So I hadn't had to be vulnerable in that way in over a year by the yeah. time she, you know, came along. And so I was, um, I was guarded and did not. And I mean, she would point it out and I'm like, what you I talking about? Like, I, you, did she point it out to you? that? Oh, you absolutely. She absolutely did. And I think because it made her feel a way it, it hurt her feelings because she was not guarded. Like, it wasn't like she was just like, Ooh, just let do whatever. But she was very open and very like, she, you know, came into it like she said like she had never been hurt and um and I did not realize I was guarded and it took me a while to even figure out how that was showing up she saw it I did not see it I really was like I I thought I was being you know I did not know right. um so that really um it put her in a place where she felt like she was more into me than I was into her mm. um which wasn't the case I I was very protective of like I had like reconnected to myself 
And me being guarded was like, I was fiercely protective of that. Like, I will not lose myself in another person. That was my thing. So it wasn't even personal about her. Like, I'm not going to show you. It was like, I have to hold on to myself. I ain't losing myself in nobody because I lost myself in that previous relationship. And some things I never got back. Honestly, I I never did. So I was like, hell no. Clean, clean. Like, yeah. I'm holding on tight so, to Javier. So it, it didn't have anything to do with her. It had everything to right. do with you not losing That was the place I was in, period. Like, that yeah. was the place I was in across yeah. the board with whoever. I'm like, oh, this cool or whatever, but I'm going to hold on to myself. And the ways that that um, manifested or the ways that that presented um, hurt her feelings. Because she's like, well, I don't feel like we're, <laughs> we're not at the same level of vulnerability. Mm. Yeah. And with you not being at the same level of vulnerability, how much patience did she have to have with you to get to that place of vulnerability? How long did that take? You know what's so funny to me? So here's the thing, because she had a lot of patience, right? And I feel like, you know, I'm someone who has had a lot of patience with people. And in some in some other ways, I had to have a lot of patience with her. But um, though I'm there, a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. she has had a lot throughout our um throughout our entire relationship i mean we've been together 10 over 10 years and we've been married coming up on four um congratulations (laughs) thank you but throughout this whole thing yeah she's had a lot of (laughs) a lot of patience and i um and because of that too like i i'm mindful of that and i try to give her a lot of grace like I'm, she's the patient person. I'm the grace person. And so they're, you know, very similar, but a little different. She definitely, patience is something I've consistently had to work on. I'm very much like, hey, when I'm ready to do something, I'm getting it done. And actually my, the toxic, the abusive ex was actually the one who pointed, this is one thing she was right about. She's like, you know, you, you know, you want stuff on your time. And I'm like, and I argue her down, but she was correct. Right. <laughs> she was actually right about that. Um, so, she so Courtney, my wife, has definitely showed me a lot of patience, and then I've shown her grace um, in terms of like her, um, just like as she's navigates through certain things, and like you know, I'm just like it's it's okay, like you, you know, because some stuff we go through at different times, like some stuff she went through, and I had already been through it. I'm like a year older than her, mm-hmm. but just different life experiences. My life experiences have been. She says I've lived a bunch of lives. <laughs> lived a bunch um, of lives. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had different life experience. So like some stuff like I saw like within the past couple of years she went through and I had already gone through it. So I'm like, you know, and, and she's like, this is just like driving me crazy. I'm like, it's okay. Like you're going to get through it. So we've had to, you know, be, <laughs> be patient with each other. I, th- I think that's awesome. I want to take a turn for a second. Mm-hmm. Um. Because you're a wellness coach, because you have experienced love without limits from your childhood all the way to you being married um, to, to, to your wife, um, there's a lot of conversations, misunderstanding, people that have been misguided about the LGBTQ community, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I just read something the other day about uh, the governor of Texas wanting uh, protective services and, and social workers yeah. to get involved with trans kids. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm saying like basically they need to go to the parent. Yeah, like, like penalize the parents if their kids are trans. Mm-hmm. And then there's something very similar that's going on in Florida. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. literally singling out 
people in the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're saying they don't want to do that education anymore. Like you don't, they don't want to, you can't say the word gay. You can't, yeah, they're, they're being real. It, it's for one, a lot of times people, you know, like fear what they don't know. Um, but I think the other part of it is like, people have this thought process, like, like some things are new, like being trans is not new <laughs> being like gay or bi, whatever. Like these are not new things. These are not like modern day, like identities or whatever. Like these are things that have existed for a long time. So, uh, and also we're so used to kind of like certain things being compulsory. Like this is how you are supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to act. This is how that anything that goes outside of that is, it seems like a threat because it is going against what the box you're supposed to fit into. And that's even for, let's say for like a straight couple and you have like a stay at home dad and a mom goes out and works or you have a dad likes to cook and the mom, you know, there's a couple I follow. I, they are so funny to me, but the guy, um, the husband, this man cooks his behind off. Okay. He does all the cooking. She does like the cleaning, the laundry and stuff like that. But their comments, folks will be like, dang, he just do out. Does she ever cook? Blah, blah, blah. I couldn't be, you know, what kind of woman? And I'm just like, let these folk live their life. Like, he loves it's, to cook. He is great at it. He's <laughs> breaking the societal norms. And, and people, and that threatens people. That brings up fear for people because they're like, oh, no, this is an unknown thing. Um, this is going to threaten. It's just, it's like... Um, I wish that people understood, like, somebody living their life, it's not a threat to you. Like, they, uh, people get scared because they're like, oh, if you do it, then it's a possibility. Like, I, um, there's this, Janet Mogg wrote this book, and she talks about possibility models. I always bring it up because I love the concept. But they're like, oh, you're going to be a possibility model for my child. They're going to be like, oh, they see you, and that means they can be gay. And I'm like, well, they see you, and you straight. So, like... It doesn't matter. They're going to be who they're going to be. Like, I knew that I liked girls at five years old. <laughs> like, I remember having a little crush on, in kindergarten, okay? Yeah. So, you're going to be who you're going to be. That doesn't make you, um, that doesn't mean it should be like a, a fear thing. And now I think, too, because people are, they're tired of, they're tired of having to tiptoe around their identities. And they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to feel like, oh, I got to, like, hide and be careful. And so now that people are seeing it more, there's more fear and they're like, they're trying to take over and blah, blah. And I'm like, these folks have always existed. They're just not existing in the shadows anymore. So they're not with, trying to do that. Right. So with you being a, a coach in that, in that arena of what, what's going on, how do you, um, how do you navigate your work in that community, knowing that, they're they're just they're marginalized people as well how do you navigate your work and i know you're probably very passionate about it but how do you balance your work and how do you deal with trying to educate folk that are not embracing of the lgbtq community because i mean i just had a conversation last week where i had a, a guy literally imploded on the phone because he was just like I'm not getting ready to, uh, I don't like, and I don't respect the LGBT community. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, my, my question was, cause I interviewed my, my, I'm, 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 my mind is turning. I said, so 
tell me again how their life is affecting your life. Right. And he um, could not give me a tangible, of course not answer. And first I said, of all, it's like, how dare you ask a logical question? This is, is that's what I, I'm like, how does, how does this impact you? Yeah. How is this affecting Crickets. your life at all? <laughs> you know? And he literally imploded on the phone to the point where he hung the phone up on me. And I was Because like, he was upset that he really could not answer your question. You asked a logical question and he did not have an answer because it was, it's an illogical thing. Like, he just feel how you feel. And sometimes, and the other thing too is, sometimes people are just regurgitating what they know. Like, you haven't, you never, like, you asking that question, for him might be the first time that he actually had to, like, pause and be like, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody's actually challenging me. I might have learned this and never challenged it. We have so many folks who um, they're like, oh, well, this is what my mama believe. And this is what this person believe. And this is what that person believe. And they never challenge it. They just keep on going on and they never question it. Um, but then when they're presented with a challenge or a question, like you asking that, he's like, now I'm going to, now I'm going to act a fool because I really don't have an answer. Um, and so for like me with like counseling and coaching and stuff, to be honest, um, I used to be someone who um, would kind of like educate folks and it would be like around issues of like queer issues and race issues. Like, um, because I mean, I'm a black queer woman, I'm passionate about those things and I would, you know, try to jump in and, and teach folks. Um, let's see, I'm 33. I don't know. I stopped that. I, I feel like I stopped that before 30. Um, but if not, definitely no later than 30. Um, Cause I was tired. <laughs> yeah. um, I had been doing that um, my whole life. And I was just like, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to actually live my life. Yeah. Right. Like I'm an educator, but it's like, we also get to choose what we want to teach and like how we want to spend our time and our capacity. Like for instance, you had that interaction with that guy, you asked him a question. He didn't have no answer for you. You know what I'm saying? So he going through his stuff, but at the end of the day, that was done. Like you can't change his mind. You can't do anything. Right. Um, and so we have to keep it pushing. So I'm in a place now too, where part of my work is with like, with black folks and with queer folks. I'm like, listen, tell the white folks, get out your face. <laughs> tell them uh, like the straight folks, get out your face. Like if it's an issue like that, you got to live your life. Yeah. You, if you want to educate, that's fine. And there are people who do that. And I feel like they also should be compensated for those things. Like mm. if they're going to educate you, run them their coins. Okay. But yes. people feel like they're entitled to free education. Like people think that, you know, white folks think that black folks should just educate them. Like they just entitled to our labor. And then a lot of times straight folks think they're entitled to our labor. Like, how does that, oh, too, wait a minute, how does that work? Blah, blah. None of your business. Get out my face. Like, I don't have to. Read I don't have to do that labor for you. Right. And it's like other like they don't ask everybody that like white like white folks don't ask other white people like, oh, yeah. So I heard your family's from Germany. What about that? Holocaust? Like they don't do that. Yeah. They come to us and they're like, you know, educate me. And it's like y'all don't think y'all feel entitled to our label. That's not appropriate with anybody else, but it's appropriate with us. It's the same thing. Particularly, I've more so had this experience with men, honestly of asking all kind of invasive questions. I'm like, you don't go to your, you know, your homeboy or to whoever and be, ask how, what him and his person does. Like, but you feel entitled to know my bedroom logistics. Like that's not your business. Like, right. You know, so I think that pe there has to be a balance of like protecting your peace 
as a marginalized person. So whether it's like as a black person, as a black woman, as a queer person, because those identities in particular, because they, you know, I have that inner, those intersections, I'm very protective of those. Like, I'd be like, look, get out black women face, <laughs> like get out black women face, get out black folks face, get out black trans people, like all that kind of stuff. Like just leave us alone. Okay. Yeah. Um, because if you don't want to do that labor, you're not obligated. And I think, too, that's shifting. I think people used to feel obligated to do that labor because we felt like we had to almost rally for our humanity. Like, I need you to see me as a person, but I'm a person. Whether you see me as that or not, whether you see me as less than or not, I'm still a person. Like, whether it's because I'm black or I'm a woman or I'm queer or whatever, like, I'm still a person, even if you think otherwise. And I don't have to defend that. I used to feel like I had to, and I felt like part of that education when we do that, if it's some white lady like, oh, can I touch your hair? Or if it's some guy like, oh, how do y'all, how do two women do this? And y'all don't want to know, you just ain't found the right man, whatever. Any of those situations, I used to feel like, oh, I got to be the person to like, to, you know, educate. Because ultimately that was like defending my humanity. And I'm just not there anymore. I'm not in that place anymore. I'm not going to do it. I My humanity is not up for debate. No, you can't touch my hair. <laughs> right. No, you cannot, you know, know what goes on in my bedroom. Like, no, I'm not educating you unless you run me some coins. Like, I don't, it's, it's only certain people I'm willing to educate for free. <laughs> right. um, you know, like, it's people, I have a priority list, okay? And I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, so I, I stopped doing that. Um, and I encourage other folks, like, I encourage Black women, like, y'all ain't got to educate these white folks, especially Black women, because they always come to us. <laughs> um, and if you're going to do it, I'm like, let run, run. They need to run your money. Like we need to be compensated for all this labor that we do. So that's, that's the, how it shifted for me in the past. I did used to feel like I had to defend it and I had to educate and all this kind of stuff. And now I just don't deal with it. Like if that's the energy you come to me with, I'm shutting it down. Like my boundary game is, is real strong yeah. and I'll shut it down real quick. I'm like, no, I'm not dealing with it. Like, I don't have to tell you that. I did. I recently dealt with a can I touch your hair like types of like recently. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, girl, you get on my face. Like, no. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, we don't have to. I, do, we don't have to labor. Like, we ain't got to do that. We we're not like we don't have to be the world's teachers. And because I think we need to reclaim some of our time and our energy and our capacity to just live our lives and to like do stuff that we enjoy. And um, I think that's a part, like, I love the name Hill Black Joy because I feel like that's part of it. Part of us doing that is, like, taking our stuff back. Like, taking our energy. We ain't got to, we ain't got to teach. Look, Google is free and Google got a lot of stuff. And you can right. Google some educators who you can pay <laughs> um, to educate you on this stuff. Like, we ain't got to do that. Right. We, this has been such a good conversation. I love I love your story about your family. I love your story about your wife. Um, and I, and I love, I love your personal story about how you were able to love without limits throughout your life. So I am getting ready to start asking my guests this. Um, when it talk, when we talk about heal black joy, I know what heal black joy means to me. Um, you mentioned it. What does heal black joy mean to you in your life? So for me, because, yeah, part of it is like what I said about reclaiming our time and our energy and our capacity and putting it back into ourselves. Um, and then for me, like um, 
doing that on a very personal level, like in my life, I'm prioritizing myself in a way that I hadn't in the past. Um, having that boundary game, be strong. <laughs> um, but also like being deliberate, like being deliberate and intentional about doing things that bring us joy. Because I think that um, the concept of healing black joy specifically, like it's not just, you know, called just black joy is healing. It is because it has been injured. It has been hurt, you know, by life, <laughs> by oppression, by white supremacy, by racism, you know, by all these things. And so to heal it, I think is, you know, for us to like take back some stuff, like, we um we can live our lives we don't have to be like social justice like worries all the time we don't have to be in be laboring all the time we can just kind of like enjoy our lives and exist and do things that we want to do and rest and all that so i think healing black joy really is a reclamation like us reclaiming um our time and our energy and pouring it back into ourselves in the way that we want to like not like oh i feel like i have to do this because the what i'm supposed to do it's like just do something that, um, like I, I always say, selfish is not a dirty word. Like something selfish, like something that is like, this is for me. Yeah. Because we do so much stuff that's for other people, like something for you. And then the more that you do that, you're going to heal. And then when we have that collective healing, like we see how that kind of like reverberates, reverberates throughout like our communities. Yeah. If we're all doing that work, like I see the difference that it makes, whether it's in a family uh, you know, a friend group, uh, uh, organization, whatever, it makes a big difference because then we can all start to reframe kind of like what our lives look like. We don't have to be in survival mode yeah. all the time. Yeah. We don't have to be, you know, operating from a scarcity mindset. Like we really can just enjoy our life. Like we don't have to be feeling like we have to always be working and working. Like, I just want to go sit out in the sun. Go do that. Yeah. Like go swimming if you want to go swimming. Take that day off work. Take the mental health days. Look, who on this like take take the mental health days. Take um, your time. Listen, take your time off. Look, don't let them folks run you to the ground. I know folks gotta work their job, but we have time. Use your time. I've been using <laughs> my time. use them sick days, use them vacation days, stuff like that to pour into yourself. Yeah. Uh, and it has positive benefits across the board because when you do that, if you got kids, your kids gonna see it. Your kids gonna see that, oh well, like Mommy likes to get her nails done. She goes and does that. And like, this makes her happy. Mommy likes to go swimming. Like, it's going to have that positive impact on those future generations to see us actually healing ourselves and caring for ourselves instead of just laboring for other people. Absolutely. My final question, because we're at that hour mark. My final question to mm -hmm. you. I know you said you were on a journey of um, being a foster parent. How, mm -hmm. how do you love without limits? while fostering the children that you I feel like fostering at this phase in my life, fostering is my greatest example of loving without limits. I feel like I've had examples of that. So like I talked about like my childhood and then it was, you know, figuring out relationships. And then it was like my wife and navigating our relationship. And now, um, cause we started fostering last year. Um, so now parenting and foster parenting specifically, cause we don't have any biological children. Um, and we, you know, made the deliberate choice, you know, to foster and everything. Listen, it is definitely, um, because you're having to navigate in a system that is deeply flawed. Um, but these kids, like, it's not the kids that are deeply flawed, you know what I mean? So it's like having to balance that. It's a very weird balancing act. 
honestly, it's like we're having to deal with all the stuff that comes with that, but also be very present for these kids and pour into them. Um, I'm fostering a one-year-old who we've had since he was five months and then a five-year-old who we just, who just recently got placed with us a week ago. So trying to show them like, Hey, you know, um, we're going to pour into you. We're going to affirm you. We're going to support you. And also dealing with all the stuff on the back end. It's a lot. It's very trying. Um, it has definitely, um, I'm very grateful I'm in therapy weekly. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a big reason, honestly, because there is a lot of grief, um, a lot of grief and a lot of empathy. And so for these kids, they just deserve yeah. better. Like it's just mess. You know what I mean? Like no kid deserves to be in this situation. Um, so it really is, it's teaching that concept. There's this, this thing like in conscious parenting or whatever, just like us not looking at kids as like um, belonging to us and that type of thing. Like being able to understand, like you have to care for this child and all kinds of stuff, but like they are their own person. And I think that because literally these are not our children in that way, like it, it reinforces that. So it's like really, um, really forces me to like, look at like loving them and built forming an attachment because psychologically that is necessary, but not holding on so tight that I can't let go. Right. Which I think is important period in parenting, but like it's reinforced now because of how the system is set up. Like something could happen and they, you know, something could change. So like, I really have to like be on top of that. Um, so it's not easy. I mean, I, you know, I adore them and I don't regret it. Like, I think these are some beautiful kids and like, I think I'm doing what I should be doing. It's one of the hardest things I've done in my life. I, I really applaud is. you on that journey. Um, I think that it is, like you said, being a parent, regardless if they're your biological kids, your adoptive kids, or even your foster kids, having that experience of having to pour into someone that you can impact and, 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 and make, maybe change the trajectory of their life based off of mm -hmm. how you treat them and what you pour into them mm -hmm. is one of the most yeah. love without limits examples that I can. Cause we said that earlier, like how childhood, that stuff from your childhood sticks with you. Sticks and with also they, children are great teachers. Like children gonna learn you something, you know, <laughs> it's like old folks say like, they yeah. gonna learn like these I've learned a lot and from have especially the baby we've had the baby longer, so more so like with him. Um I've learned so much and even getting to see myself as a mother, like I I was like, I didn't know what that would look like. Um and then with the five year old, whole other ball game, because I've never <laughs> had a five year old and she right. turned and she'd be all over the place. So I'm like, Oh Lord, okay, I gotta keep up with this. Um, so they definitely teach you a lot about yourself and they also point out stuff that you need to work on. <laughs> yeah. Um they definitely will, you know, hold up a mirror. You know, they'll reflect back to you some things that you gotta work on so that you can be better for them. Um yeah. That's it's, amazing. That's it's amazing. quite a journey for sure. I am so happy that I've had this conversation with you. We had an electrifying conversation before with our <laughs> sister, uh Naya being yeah. she, oh, good times for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it was good times. Um, we have to do this again, girl. I, I love talking to you. I think I'm like, I hope I actually talked about the top because I'm like, no, no, you, you know, did. I feel like I'm all over the place, but it's so crazy. Yeah. You answer my I do love, love. Without, I love me some love. You answer <laughs> my questions without me even asking you the questions. That's how divine. Mm -hmm. 
that's exactly how divine it was. Like you answered some of the questions that I was going to ask you, and I didn't even get a chance to ask you the questions. So mm. it was divine. I'm glad, and I love. I mean, I love. You know, he'll be like. I mean, the ne- come on, the name first of all. I just love it. I'm like, because I think black joy is such a beautiful thing, and it it, it does need to be healed. And it does need to be. Um, just reclaim you know so i think that it's important and and love i always say like love is my favorite subject i love love i'm very much a lover right <laughs> um you know so i'm i'm grateful and i'm glad that you you know that you asked me to participate very very grateful well i i i thank you i thank you again for not only just sharing your story with us sharing your love without limits story about your family um i'm pumped it, it, your your mom has inspired me to to be able to, even though my daughter is older and I didn't do everything right as, as a child, but as we're ever evolving, I always want to be able to pour from a place of her being and not her doing. Mm-hmm. And, so, and it's never too late. And, and it's, it's never, never too late. late. Like we still pouring into each other. My mom still, my mom just, she visited not too long ago. Um, and I always, you know, I'd be needing mama. Okay. So <laughs> it's we never too mom. late um, to pour into Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to thank you again for 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 coming in and sharing us sharing with us your journey on love without limits and and how you navigate that how you navigate it as a child, but more more importantly how you're navigating it now in your in your marriage as well as being a foster parent. So I really appreciate you for doing that. Um, what are you working on? I know we only got like a couple of minutes, so tell us really quickly what you're working on or, you know, how we can follow you, what you're doing. Um, um, right now. I mean, I can be followed at Javi Nicole. It's just my name. Um, I have a podcast, but I'm kind of like combining everything to just be under Javi Nicole. So yeah. um, my podcast is black radical queer podcast. Um, but I'll be, you know, any updates and stuff will be on Javi Nicole. Um, that's it for the most part. I mean, for this month, I'm going to actually have this, function as my podcast episode so i'll you know um put it out but um i'll have some other stuff coming up so i talk a lot about like mental health and wellness and all that and also like kind of how to incorporate little radical things into your life because it doesn't mean you got to be out in the streets and protesting all that but you can still be radical um i mean heal black joy is a radical thing because they don't want us to have joy (laughs) so um that in and of itself is radical so that's really mainly and honestly just trying to parent these babies like that's been, I've been in that little bubble, um, little foster care bubble. So I'm not really working on anything else right now, but yeah, besides the podcast. Okay. Well, we'll definitely, um, I'll definitely put, put everything up for you. Um, and, and, and send me anything about your podcast. I'll definitely put it up on Hill Black Joy platform. Um, I want to thank you again. Thank my Hill Black Joy tribe for tuning in tonight. Those of you that did not, are not present right now, but will be able to catch this tomorrow. It debuts at eight o'clock on our YouTube channel, our Hill Black Joy YouTube channel. Um, And I'm going to find some quotables for tonight so that we can put them (laughs) up for the rest of the week and put it on TikTok and put it on Facebook and put it on on YouTube as well as... Oh, that's going to be cool. Yeah, it's going to be... And I'll share, I'll definitely share the YouTube, um, the YouTube stuff and then it'll automatically, once I share it, it should automatically actually go out to my, um, the podcast listeners too, the audio. Um, So then, you know, everybody can be able to check it out and then I can, you know, refer them back to your Instagram. 
Absolutely. I appreciate it, lady. Thank you again. Thank, Thank you. you, Hill Black Joy Tribe, for tuning in tonight. This was a wonderful conversation about <laughs> love without limits. Um, if you did not, if you didn't check it out, if you just came in late, go back and watch <laughs> it. Go back and watch it because she talks. She she gave us some nuggets as a parent. She gave us nuggets as a black woman. She gave us nuggets as as anybody that's navigating this life um, as as a black person you definitely want to watch this episode so thank you mm -hmm. and have a good night thank you have a good night All bye right. y'all <laughs> have a good one bye <laughs>